0: Internet, what is up? I hope everybody enjoyed last week's podcast. Okay, let's cannonball into business stuff. This episode of the podcast is, yes, once again, brought to you by me. And we are here to talk about Patreon. Okay, we got big things going on at Patreon. We've got YouTube started, and we've got Patreon to support that. So, if you like our YouTube page, okay, at Lone Element, of course, And you go over there and you're like, oh, wow, I like this content. If you want to help support that content and make it amazing and you love the podcast and what's going on here, then go over to Patreon and jump on Patreon. We've got lots of tiers. I've got a broad spectrum set up to support whatever financial bracket you fall into. Okay? Our first tier is underway. It's called underway. It's five bucks a month. What you get for five bucks a month, you get exclusive access to full-length video interviews, like we've started doing video interviews. Okay, this weapon's free. Wednesday, for example, the full-length video is going to be on Patreon. If you guys want to watch Cato and I chop it up, audio is always going to be free, so you'll be able to f- jump on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Are always going to be free. Okay, but if you want to watch the video portion of this, you'll be able to catch a highlight clip on YouTube. But if you want the full-length interview slash episode, you got to jump on Patreon and sign up for five bucks a month. In addition, that'll give you a monthly live Q&A where I get everybody gathered up on Patreon and we do a live Q&A, and then we record it. So if you miss it, you can't make it, I post the recorded session to Patreon. Then you'll get exclusive posts, photos, and articles, stuff that I post, pictures, all the things. I write articles from time to time about preparedness and readiness and training, mindset, and different tips and tricks and hacks. All right, our next uh, tier is going to be the patrol base. That's 10 bucks a month. That gets you the full-length video interviews. That gets you monthly live Q&A, recorded live Q&A, access to post photos and articles. But then in addition, what that gets you is access to the Signal group chat and then a sticker pack. So you get a sticker pack with 12 stickers in it, and then you will get access to the Signal group chat, which means you can jump in there and you can push the button and get a hold of me anytime. Now, my competition out there, or my peers in the industry, I should say, they're charging $50 to 100 bucks a month for direct access. Nope, not me. 10 bucks a month. You'll get access to the signal group chat. You'll be able to ping me anytime you want with any questions. All right, next tier. And this is our best value and our most popular. It's 25 bucks a month. And this is called the mission prep team room. It's called team room, but we do the mission prep stuff in there. What you will get with that is exclusive access to full length videos. You get the monthly live Q&A, recorded Q&A, exclusive post videos, photos and articles, sticker pat, access to the Signal group chat, bonus video episodes, Tradecraft, okay? And what I do in the Tradecraft videos is we talk about tips, tricks, and hacks for gear, travel, packing, guns, equipment, you name it. We've got tips and tricks that we do in video. Uh, I think the last one we put up was gun painting, which also just went up on YouTube. And then I think we did another one on like what's in my range box. So if you are into that type of thing, that type of content, sign up for the $25 a month. And then also that gets you a free Loan Element hoodie. So there's a lot of value there. You get a hoodie, you get stickers, you get extra videos, you get access to the Signal group chat. It's a pretty good deal. That's our best and most popular value on the site. Then last tier, in this in the stack tier, you get all the aforementioned things, but the cherry on the cupcake for the in the stack, which is 50 bucks a month, is after you've paid into it for six months, you get a training class hosted by me, a firearms training class or low light or force on force training class of your choice, which we're going to be getting those up and rolling here pretty soon. Got some exciting things going on with our good friend, Brittany May. We're going to be doing some joint courses with her going into winter and spring of 23. So stay tuned for that. Okay. Well, that takes care of business stuff. So now you guessed it folks, it's that time. So let's fucking go.
1: I know.
0: Are you and here we are. Ivan from Kip Badger, man. I am so stoked that you that I ran into you. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. So yeah, I was, I was really excited to get back to the show because last year, you know, with the, the chaos of like, you know, the wake of like COVID and everything that happened and you know, a lot of, a lot of companies pulled out last year, a lot of companies didn't show up. And so we set up in this hotel and started doing podcasts and stuff like that. And then I got phone calls from my friends down on the floor and they're like, don't even bother coming down here, man. It's literally a ghost town. And what it was funny is, like, people that were attending the show, like we tend to do, and, like, walk the show and, like, Mm. network and stuff like that, were not stoked because it was dead and there was nothing going on. And so there were some key companies and personnel that weren't here to do the usual biz dev that we usually do. And then uh, the companies that were displaying, though, my friends were like, this is great. I love it. It's dead. Like, I don't have, like, FUDLORE.com, like, coming up to, like, ask me a million. yeah grab swag yeah yeah the the swag uh, commandos that are showing up and like filling up their milk crates that they tow around behind them yes so so yeah some people really loved the participation level if you were displaying you loved it and if you were here in a capacity to attend and walk the show and get work done and network and have meetings it wasn't it wasn't especially great but so we i didn't even go down to the show floor and then obviously in 21 it was canceled i did come in 20 and had a had a great show in 20 and then um, COVID kicked off and fucked everything completely up from not only supply chain perspective for getting product done, but also like just the social interaction with humans and just things were not great for a while. So I'm, I'm, I'm super happy to see things getting back to back to normal. So it's, it's, it's good. I'm happy to see it. I was really happy when I went to the circle bar I went to get my I checked in, I went to get my pass and then I came to Circle Bar and like it was nice to see all the people back and congregating again and I was yeah. like, oh cool, the industry coming back together, people are happy, they're laughing, everyone's in a good mood, everyone's uh, looking forward to a good show. So it's great. But uh Definitely. yeah. Well, dude, so uh introduce yourself, man and and talk about
1: all right, talk about you. Um I'm Ivan with kipager.com, like started yeah, just started doing video stuff, like, I think beginning of, like, 2016, I guess, mm-hmm. and I've just continued on and continue to do content, largely centered around, like, reviewing, reviewing gear, whether it's outdoor gear or tactical gear, mm-hmm. and then same with guns, and then I'll do, like, course reviews and stuff, like, a lot of stuff ends up being like synergistic so i'm not going to review a gun by shooting like half a mag into a berm like i'll go shoot like a night vision course and then so with that that'll be part of the backdrop for reviewing that gun same with like whatever gear i end up running whether it's chest rigs or night vision devices lasers lights all that stuff so nice all kinds of different video stuff to include just like fun adventure stuff out in the woods too, my boys and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Like I love your, I love your channel, man. I've been, I've been following up for a really long time. So let's back up, man. And let's talk about who Ivan is and like where, where you grew up and like, let's start at like high school and right. then go like, you know, where you served in the military and then, uh, some, you know, military combat experience stuff. And then what, you know, when you got out, why you got out and how you got into, Doing what you just described, which is having a really killer YouTube channel.
1: All right. Um, I'll try and go quick because there's, like, actually a lot compressed in some of those years. Yeah. But um, I went to four and a half years of high school. Okay. I ended up actually down in Brazil on foreign exchange uh, okay. for my like half my senior year mm-hmm. but then when i came back they're like well you barely passed like english as a second language in brazil so <laughs> I, so like i did not have enough credits to yeah. graduate so they're like you can go to summer school you can take your ged mm-hmm. or you can just come back for one more semester i'm like yeah high school is pretty easy i'll do right. another semester so it's basically all art classes and then like whatever units i needed mm-hmm. to just graduate so graduate after four and a half years of high school and then i i was actually going to end up going on kind of this crazy you know how parents sometimes manipulate their kids they're like that might not be the best idea like let me shove you this way and so i was going to go on this crazy adventure down to belize and my mom was like i think that's a terrible idea like here here's a ticket you can go see your dad over in hawaii because he was over He's a photographer or was a photographer for like Surfer and Surfing and stuff like that.
0: Oh, awesome. Okay, cool.
1: So he's over there on the North Shore. So I ended up going over there and just kind of hanging out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I want to go sail into the South Pacific because that would Mm -hmm. be cool. And that time of year, though, none of the... Just because of the winds, like no one was sailing that way. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going down to the harbor, like wandering around, like, hey, do you need a crew? Hey, do you need a crew? And I guess I was like eighteen years old or something like that. Anyway, I found this cool guy, Brian Archer. He's like, Yeah, actually, need some crew. So myself and one other person, we ended up actually sailing his sixty foot cutter from Hawaii up to Olympia, Washington. Oh wow. Which was pretty cool, like amazing experience, like blue water sailing. Mm-hmm. And got up there and then turned around like the next day. I was talking with family. They're like, hey, your cousin's getting married like tomorrow or day after tomorrow. So I immediately like flew, bus, all this stuff. Finally got back home, went to that wedding. But I was like, I don't want to be like back home. Home was like Central Coast, California. Yeah. So I ended up actually packing a pack, went out to Zion, like took a bus out to St. George. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to go cruise around Zion went there that ended up turned into its own adventure somehow found my way over to moab like rolled into town and i think i had like 115 bucks like in my pocket or something like that i'm like "Ah, i should probably make some money Mm -hmm. so i went to lazy lizard youth hostel like dumped all my stuff took a shower put on some clean clothes and then just like walked down one side of the street like hey can i get a job application can i get a job application Went to Moab Brewery where one guy was giving like one hour's notice. He's like, I quit, basically. And so started working there and ended up finding a place to rent and stayed in Moab for like the summer. Saved up a bunch of money. And then I'm like, well, I got to get back to California. And had made a friend, talked about like bike touring. And so ended up basically trading or selling away at a suite like 1978 Honda Hobbit, like moped that just <laughs> drive everywhere, like back and forth to work yeah. and stuff. Thing was great. And so I ended up getting this old Trek road bike. I'm like, I'm going to just ride my bike back to California. Mm-hmm. Seems like a good idea. Middle of the summer, like late summer. So I'm like, but I should be okay. I'll just ride at night and then sleep during the day. Started trying to do that. Ended up getting, I don't know, ended up going, long story short, almost turned into like, Straight up death by dehydration. I was like, going to say, yeah. This huge stretch. is a wild trip. Ended up riding all the way across to the border of, like, Utah, Nevada, I guess. And that last day I did, like, 136 miles or something. My knees were shot. Because I'm like, oh, I need to push harder to get home in time. So then after that. How old
0: were you when you were doing this?
1: I think I was, like, 18 or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay. So then okay. after that, I'm like, well, I, like, I woke up, mm-hmm. like. I couldn't, I'm just like, I'm not riding my bike today. Mm -hmm. So I ended up hitchhiking with my bike, basically the rest of the way back over, like all kinds of wild like really cool people. Like I won't go into all of that, but finally made it back. Yeah, from there, I think I ended up, oh yeah, like a little bit later, friend went out to, flew out with a friend out to New York for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. or something, came back, got some other restaurant job, And was saving up money and my brother, older brother, he had done a bunch of surfing over in Bali mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, this place is cool. So I'm like, that sounds cool. So back then you had to go to a travel agent, right. went to a travel agent, got tickets. What year was this? This was ninety, ninety-seven. 97. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you
0: and I are like same age bracket. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm
1: Like towards the end of 97 yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. And then went over to Indonesia for like a month and a half, and just like mm-hmm. cruised around. It was amazing. Like five bucks, and you have like a hotel room, like with breakfast, like on the beach. Like yeah, it's pretty sweet traveling through there. Mm-hmm. And when I was over there, I decided I'm like, I think I'm joining the Marine Corps. So
0: oh wow, okay. And so what
1: what drove that? Like you're just on a beach, and then I don't know. Like I mean, part like I grew up. My grand, well, both grandfathers served in World War II Mm -hmm. and my grandfather on my mother's side, who like was really close. Not that I wasn't close with both of them, but Mm -hmm. especially close with him. Like he would host these big Marine reunions every year and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, Pacific Marine, like Okinawa, Peleliu, all that Mm -hmm. stuff, like super influential. And then my other grandfather on my dad's side, he was in the Navy and actually like worked with Marines. Cause back then yeah. Marines manned all the guns. And so he manned like one of the like big guns on the ships and like wild stories. Like he was at the Mariana Turkey shoot, like oh, wow. okay. pivotal naval battles that will probably never happen again. Mm-hmm. And like listening to him talk about that, like it's incredible. Yeah. But yeah, grew up with kind of around all of that, my grandfather and all of his friends and stuff. So when i came home i was just like yeah like i'm to join the marine corps so went down to the recruiter like a day after i got home or whatever i'm like all right like let's do this take the asvab and they're like okay what do you want to do and i'm like I, what do you mean like I'm on being the marine corps like the infantry right like what else what else do you guys yeah, do yeah what, what else <laughs> is there yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's like oh there's all these other jobs i'm like no no let's let's do that and so i ended up wanting and getting i guess guaranteed infantry like yep score (laughs) yeah but uh no it was fun i ended up going in and went through boot camp down mcrd san diego all that stuff and i was like i want to travel more so like i want guaranteed overseas in my contract which turned into guantanamo bay cuba i was like okay not japan (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's only a couple places But when I was there, this was 98 into 99, I guess. When did you
0: graduate from boot camp?
1: It would have been like June-ish, I want to say. Well, actually, it wasn't June because I remember my birthday. Mm -hmm. I guess my my 20th birthday was... uh, I guess I was 19 going into it. My 20th birthday was on like the night infiltration course. Like in the oh, camp. good times. And I'm just like waited to, until the very last minute, like super late at night, just mm-hmm. to tell my friend like it's my birthday today because you don't want anyone to know. You it's don't your want birthday. anybody to know. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. like okay, enough times passed. Like we're not going to get hazed for this right mm-hmm. now. But um, so yeah, that was June of '99, I guess. Okay. Somewhere in there. Yeah down in Rifle Security Company Windward, and back then it was, like, Rifle Security Company. I have no idea what it turned into. Like, back then it was just yeah, a big, barren base with huge minefield around it and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, some straight-up, like, a few good men type stuff. Yeah, huh? like yeah. It, yeah,
1: it was. Yeah. And then, um, and actually I got in trouble for hazing down there, <laughs> which, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> forgot about that but so then I ended up going back um to Lejeune I was there for a bit and mm-hmm. then I was I was working I was with I don't know like S3 shop or something mm-hmm. like that for a while and then I finally got over to back to Camp Pendleton Bravo 1-1 and my grandfather was actually with one one which was cool but since I could swim went to a boat company Scout swimmer school, stuff like that. Went through our workup, ended up deploying out. I was with weapons because I was at 0351, but we were super heavy, so I ended up just being a, like, squad leader, like, line company. And we ended up training, actually, over in Darwin, Australia. We were supposed to go to Djibouti and train and stuff like that. And so we were out on Libo after our training in Darwin, Australia. That was September 11th, so, like, watch that happen on the TV. Everyone got recalled to the ship, miraculously like the ship left like the following morning like 06 took off dropped some supplies at east timor went over cut grid squares for a little while watched all the like first missiles go in there then we went in secured the airfield up in um spacing on the name basically up in uh northern pakistan Mm -hmm. which was like the initial like leapfrog yep and then from there went back to ship was there for like a week or something like that and then went and basically we're at camp Rhino. Okay, and cool. It was Ma- Mattis south.
0: was the, uh, he was the mute commander for that. Wasn't he? Uh, probably like, I think Mattis was the mute commander and then the recon platoon you had, uh, Rudy Reyes is a good friend of mine. Oh yeah. We we're good buddies. Yeah, no, uh,
1: Brad Colbert's like one of my really good friends. Okay, cool. Yeah. So and I remember Rudy from ship. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, And then, yeah, Tony Aspera, like, was Mm -hmm. one of my best friends. So, yeah, we ended up, we were all there. And then my squad, we ended up actually going up north, providing security for um, essentially the element made up of, like, First Force, First Recon, and then, like, headquarters. And then we also had some SF guys and stuff that were all there. And then we were there basically as, like, security at night. Mm -hmm. And... Crazy story in there getting ran over by LAV in my fighting hole. But oh glaze over that and keep going. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on, hold on, though. No. Don't, don't, don't blaze over that
0: story. I need to, we definitely need to like t- tangent and hear that, hear that one. Okay, so
1: we're like leapfrogging forward, mm-hmm. and uh, the idea of getting up to big picture what ended up happening mm-hmm. is we got up to the MSR and ended up going over we ended up leaving because they no longer needed us and they ended up going over and taking Kandahar because we'd came up in between Lashkar Gah and Kandahar they went over took Kandahar and like Kandahar was what it was until we finally left like a couple years ago but so we would basically go and we'd dig in like and I think my squad had like the western flank or something like that and we'd go get our briefs and so it's like hey listen LAR is going out. They're going to go figure out somewhere to basically cross the river Mm -hmm. and then come back. So be aware, like, hey, this is our near-far recognition with, like, flashing IR lights and stuff. I mean, we only had, like, not everyone had night vision or anything like that. So it's like, here's what we have going. So I'm like, okay, cool. I go back, and over on the west flank, I had my guys. We were all dug in. Also had a machine gun element over there, like 240 and stuff like that. And so as the evening went, went through briefed everyone. I'm like, Hey, listen, this is what happens. Like just be aware, like eventually LAR, like don't shoot them. Like they're going to be coming across. So this is our near far. They're going to cross in front of our line and they're going to come in, turn and then come in from the South and go park and do whatever they need to do. But they will be crossing in front later sometime tonight. They're like, all right, cool. And so, Night goes on and make my round. I mean, sergeant, team leader, or squad leader. Mm -hmm. So make my rounds. Eventually, I'm like, okay, like, I'm going to go get some sleep, make sure all my guys are good. We're at, like, 50% or something. So I go, and I have my fighting hole dug. It's all, like, soft sand, like, where we were. And I'm laying there, like, in my sleeping bag. And I remember I had this. How deep was your fighting hole? Just deep enough, apparently. (laughs) You're sitting here. I mean, we weren't digging, like, chest deep to the tallest man right so it's just like, like a skirmisher maybe where it's kind of, less like I mean it's like not a ranger grave like yeah. it was deep enough to where you could be like on your knees and okay. like shoot over okay so it's not like if you were taking fire you're just like trying to make yourself a small spot like mm-hmm. there was space there so this thing's dug out and I have like an AT4 in there like my grenades and everything mm-hmm. all set up and my gun everything set up so I'm laying there in my sleeping bag I'm sitting there and I have this wild dream. And in my dream, I'm back at school of infantry and it's like raining or it was still raining a little bit. And do you remember the little Gumby suits like from Vietnam? Yes. Yes, So we have those and I'm just like, Oh, this is gross. And it's like, man, we got to go hike from like here to here or something. And then it's like, Oh wait, we can get rides on these LAVs. Perfect. And like right then, I woke up to this just like because they're incredibly loud. Yes, and they are. Right about then, I woke up and this thing's like coming over, and the wheels are like pushing the sand, coming down, and then going like this. Like on the, and so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like shimmying back like this, and it's this like, oh man, over, and uh, like, like I get. And, like, the last wheel comes down a little harder just because there wasn't as much supporting mm-hmm. it. And, like, kind of smashes my ankle some. And, like, bruises it a tiny bit. And uh But I, like, get up. I get out of my bag. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I'm just yelling at this, like, yeah, poor lieutenant, like, yeah. tank commander guy yeah. over there. He's like, oh, stop, stop, stop. And I'm, like, yelling. I'm, I'm cursing the hell out of these guys. And... uh some of the other fighting holes were in, Cause again, like mm-hmm. cold war doctrine, all that stuff, as far as like how far the fighting holes are spread out yep. and everything. Cause like, Oh, indirect fire, mm-hmm. artillery, mortar rounds, whatever. And so come to find out what had happened is the LAV was crossing in front. And so the guys near far recognition, like flashing IR lights. And so the LAV's like, Oh, this must be the gate and turned and started driving in. And they're like flash in a court I'm assuming I'm hoping it's changed in the military at large to include the marine corps by this time but like nobody had comms with anyone you know what I mean like your platoon had a radio operator right. and like a radio and so Correct. like there's no inner squad radios and there's no there's no channels of communication with other units or anything like that yeah and there was none at of that all. back then none of yeah. it and so it's not like Hey man, like you're turning into the wrong place. It's like, all I can do is flash this IR light and all we're establishing is Mm -hmm. you're not a bad guy and this guy's thinking. And so by the time this guy's coming and it's like, what? And all the fighting holes are super spread out Mm -hmm. and they're like, Oh, well no one is right here. Like in this path where I'm driving up. And then on top of that, like, it's up this little grate, so the guy has to, like, accelerate to, like, get up over. And so by the time anyone was able to, like, run out, like, they couldn't stop the guy in time mm-hmm. or anything like that. And so, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. And so, <laughs> yeah, fast. got <laughs> run over by an LV in yeah, combat. Yeah, right. fast forward a number of years. Uh, actually, part of this tattoo, that right there is the red one. And so... Kind of reminder of the blessed life I lead. The mm-hmm. call sign of that lav was actually red one. Like so, oh, wow. that's okay. where that came from. Nice. But, so, dude, that's a, that, that happened. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you 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 survived. Obviously, survived that sitting here. Okay, yeah. and, then, and so
1: then yeah. So then we ended up next day or whatever. Finally, we ended up getting across the river over the MSR between Lashkar and Kandahar. They were going to make the big push over and take Canada airfield at that point. We weren't needed. We went on helos back and then yeah, everything kind of wrapped up there for us. I think right after new year's 2001. So this was taking place like roughly December and like why, like in hindsight, historically like wild stuff at that point, like Anaconda was happening Mm -hmm. like right then and like, It's like, hey, do we need to get on helos? Like, who's going to go up there? Like, what's happening here? Did you guys have any enemy contact while you were on that? um, We, not down at Camp Rhino. Mm -hmm. Like, again, it was like, hey, what's happening? Like, I was getting briefed to take my squad to go set up basically an ambush on the MSR. Yeah. And we didn't. Like, of course we didn't. Like, they gave it to Force. Yeah, my friend was on that ambush, and they ended up killing a
0: lot of dudes on that ambush. Yeah, like,
1: and... And it was. I actually have video of because I, re, I basically documented that whole thing. Like right. I had a little handy cam.
0: Yeah. Did you know Glenn Cedarholm?
1: I don't know. He was, probably, he was maybe the, if I saw him. Yeah, he was in the force too. Because yeah. one of the force guys came, and I have video of the guy basically talking about the mm-hmm. ambush. Because it was like, hey, like lessons learned. Like here's, and it was interesting. I mean, that whole shift. Like we literally went from peacetime military to wartime. Yeah. And like I mean, that. yeah. Like growing up in the Chow Hall, like pray for war and all that Mm. stuff. And I'm like, "Eh, I think everyone's had enough at this point, but that transition there in like him talking about how guys were trying to get out of this, like probably a Hilux or something like that. And they're like shooting them and like, they're not going down, not because they're not shot, just like they're slumped up against vehicles. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was like the first, probably one of the very first like kinetic Engagements of that yeah. was there on that MSR. The Marine Corps. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. But um, not down at Camp Rhino. I think there was like a brownout and like a helo crashed or something wild like on the uh, runway. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, right after I think right after New Year's we got out of there, went back to went back to ship and headed home. Stopped a couple times in Australia and got back. And honestly, at that point, I had extended. I think a month to go on that deployment. Mm-hmm. When I got back, I was I was pretty over it. I, like there was some serious growing pains, like happening there, and like just ridiculous, just ridiculous stuff. That it's like guys, like this, this is for real now. Mm-hmm. So I have like a TO squad is me and twelve dudes. And I have eight dudes, mm-hmm. and I have one saw that works intermittently that, like, I had to make, like, a little nutsack to hold, like, a contact belt yeah. out of, like, cardboard and duct tape because we don't have any. Like, what Like what are we doing here, man? Yeah, well, we came from, like, Clinton era stuff. I mean, that was one of, like, so
0: I came in in 95 and went to the sniper platoon and put, went to selection and uh, passed uh, got in, got into the sniper platoon and then I was at the sniper platoon at two, four. And then and that was from 90, that was from 95 to 99. So like, as I was getting out, you're coming in Uh and, um, it was Clinton era stuff, you know, like I remember there was times where we, I never got to go to sniper school because we got, um, we, we never, uh, we didn't have the budget for it like vehicles okay. like didn't have parts like we didn't have safety vehicles like we were constantly training and we were doing
1: backyard training in the backyard but you'll still have a live fire range where you just have 40 dudes online ambush range and yep. just empty magazines yes like yeah. sweet
0: yeah a- ammo yeah ammo expenditure so that you can get reallocated for the next
1: year for the next fiscal year yeah. But and the, then the guy comes back he's like hey we didn't shoot this and it's like bury it right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah, dumb shit like that yeah
0: yeah so yeah i remember getting out because there was nothing there's nothing going on and and it just it was yeah so we were just coming out of that era yeah and yeah we're completely under equipped like when i when i signed up and when i remember when i got to my got to the fleet they got to two four they issued me an m16 a2 a The double-bladed, the dagger-looking bayonet. Um, Yeah. The clones are going to yell at me. Yeah, they're going to yell at me because I didn't know exactly what it is. Then I got issued a compass, a BFA, a rifle cleaning kit. I had like Alice gear, with like just a Vietnam-style Y harness, a um, uh, two magazine pouches, two one one-court canteens, and a butt pack, and a. What was funny is they called it a first aid kit, but it was just an empty plastic box with like one band aid in it is yes. what i got issued from supply
1: which actually speaking of that we had we had the like flack mm-hmm. like oh yes that jacket yep. things mm-hmm. and for the first time on ship like when we we're headed over there they're mm-hmm. like all right here's these plates and we have right. never put them on Sappy and plates now for the first time yeah and yeah. now your gear's like twice as heavy 20 pounds heavier and yeah. really quick it reminded me when you're like m16a2 I'm like yeah for sure when that LAV went over, like, it mm-hmm. totally broke my molly pack. Like, we were the first to have, like, those oh, molly, molly packs, packs. and yep. stuff. We also, uh like, basically, we were one of the first. We were testing the new digital cami, yep. too. But, yeah, like, broke my molly pack. MREs exploded inside of it, like, oh, from nice. the LAV. Mm-hmm. And then it shredded my handguards off my M16. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. so... Like, I literally was rolling around with an M16 with, like, no handguards for, like, a couple weeks. And I had to test fire it the next day to, like, yeah. make sure. It was and so shooting. I have, like, my body armor, like, doubled up in front of me. And I just have it, like, stock up against it. And I'm like, Pakoo! all right, it looks good. Let me see if my zero's decent. <laughs> yeah. And, like, all right, cool. Roll on. Let's keep and then, going. Yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. And people wonder why we get out of the Marine Corps. It's crazy. Yeah. So, Hmm. yeah, those were were the early, that was early grown pains back in the day. But, yeah, I remember when we, like, we had one set of night vision per squad. Like, the squad leader got night vision goggles. Nobody else got night vision, you know. And that's, and it was, like, seven Bravos. We'd run around one set of seven Bravos, and that was it. So, that was life, Uh, you know, prior to the GWAT. And so, yeah. yeah, and so then coming back in, but. Yeah. Marine, the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps is a, it's a great organization. It's got great dudes in it. Um, I was just, uh, I ran into uh, a bunch of my special mission unit buddies that I w- worked with on the army side of the house and they have guys that like went past selection and served at the unit that were Marines. And I know a few of them. And so we were laughing and joking around about how you know kind of retarded the marine corps is about certain things and certain aspects and how they value tradition over progression and you know i was a very disruptive marine as a i was always the guy that was like why the fuck are we doing this this is stupid like what what we can do better than this and i had friends at all the soft units like i had friends down at team five that were seals i had a couple of friends that were like way over on the east coast in third group And, and i early on in my career i didn't have any um I didn't know any special mission unit guys at that point in my life, but like I knew guys, uh, you know, in special forces in seals. And then I had a ton of friends that were force recon dudes and, and recon battalion guys, you know, Rick Rudy and, you know, um, Glenn and like a bunch of the, I knew a bunch of the Det one guys when they stood up debt one. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was good friends with them. And so I would constantly like suck their brains dry when we were like on, you know, out on, on libo like i you know we'd hang out and do stuff on the weekends together and you know i lived right across the street from my buddy glenn that was in that force platoon and he yeah. end, he ended up going on to Det one and he was an assistant team leader over at that okay great dude but like we him and i would like constantly talk about uh, you know ttps and you know gear and like things that they were doing things that they were using and i would take all those lessons from like my seal buddy and my recon my force buddies and my you know, debt one buddies and all my friends and I would try and consolidate that that information, you know, that I had and I would try to like implement some of the yeah. things that they were doing at our level and oh man, like you. So disruptive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the drill instructor platoon sergeants that were, you know, down in our our idiot first sergeants just couldn't, they couldn't no. They couldn't jive. Like they were just like, "Oh my god, what is Bishop doing now?" you know, cuz I'd yeah. have guys doing like one man room entries with like white lights and stuff and practice, you know, j-hooking doors and like doing deliberate entry versus dynamic entry and like I had them doing all kinds of high speed shit, you know, and then I was constantly like a gear nerd. I was gear queer, you know, nerding the fuck yeah. out on gear and I was constantly trying to push the envelope on gear. And so with them, you know, like uh, my debt one buddies taught me in 2004 how to, like, make a combat shirt out of an Under Armour shirt. They're like, cut your sleeves off your blouse, cut your fucking sleeves off your Under Armour shirt, take it down to the shop where we had all of our name mm-hmm. tapes sewn on in Oceanside, and have them, have them sew your that. sleeves on. And I did. And then, you know, I never wore it at Camp Pendleton during training, but when we deployed and we got to Iraq... You know, for the, our second deployment right. to Iraq, I threw that sucker on, and our company gunny, like who was a drone instructor, was like,
1: his "Fucking lost melted. his, his yeah.
0: brain melted. He lost his mind, and he's like,
1: Bishop, what the
0: fuck are you doing? What do, that's unauthorized? What do you?" And he just started losing his shit. And I was just like, "It's 138 degrees yeah. out here, gunny, the last and I'm getting. Thing I need ready,
1: are more layers, right? I'm getting ready
0: to step off on a fucking 10k fucking patrol. I need to not carry a lot of shit, and I need it to be as cool as possible." he's like, fuck, just fucking go. But when you get back, we're fucking talking, you know? And he was so mad. He chewed my ass off when I got back. And I was just like, I'm getting my ass chewed right now because I'm trying to be more efficient, more effective no, and not and, allowed. And no, not
1: allowed. So it's just dumb shit like that, that like, yeah, pushed me out of the room. No, like that stuff, like it wears on you. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, there was a lot of that stuff that I was just like, no. Nope. And going back, they're like, are you sure? Like here, like we can get you. Like, do you want to go over to, like, Indoc for, mm-hmm. like, first recon? And I'm yeah. just, like, I'm done, guys. But my good buddy, Sergeant Sparra, my mm-hmm. platoon commander, like, Lieutenant Fick. Yeah. And then, like, Leon, Garza, like, a bunch of guys, like, from that platoon yeah. ended up, or from our company, I guess, ended up going over there. So then, like, I got out, ended up playing around, going to, like, junior college and stuff. Mm-hmm and then everything else kicked off and essentially yeah like brad colbert like it was interesting because like all those friends and like people i'd worked with ended up going over the whole like generation kill and all that stuff like while i was basically messing around in junior college And while I was there, I did some fun stuff, though. I ended up actually racing the Baja 1000 a couple times. Oh, wow. Okay. Some other off-road racing. And then somewhere in there, I traveled to Europe for like three months or something like that, which was pretty cool. And this is all while you're going to college after you got out? Yeah. Like, I I think I got out. And then, like, I was out for like a month or so. And I think that summer, I'm like, "Ah, I'm going to go to Europe. So I went to Europe for like three months. Mm -hmm. Went to, ended up. Going all over, but ended up over in Pamplona and like whole running of the bulls, San Fermín mm-hmm. festival, all that oh, stuff. Sweet, like, yeah, had a blast. It was a good time. Yeah, Griff did that. He was, like, he did he did the whole running with of the
0: bulls thing, and he's got yeah. great photos from it. Oh, he yeah, was like, like hanging flip flops off the, the bulls' horns and stuff. Nice.
1: Like, he's doing. Sweet yeah, films. that was that was a wild, just like twenty four hour period. Like mm-hmm. it was nuts. Like I came in that morning, like got there that morning, like five a.m. on a bus, and yeah. then like left the next morning at like 5 a.m. on a bus to go back to barcelona oh wow! It was wow. crazy but um yeah did all that stuff did a bunch of racing off-road racing built a couple vehicles and then i was like man like i want to go back in like again talking with my friends and stuff mm-hmm. like that like sending send in letters care packages and stuff i mean that was before email really right like, it was, was yeah. big mm-hmm. and um I'm like, I'm going to end up going back in. But I was like, fool me once. So this time, I decided to go in the Air Force. Okay. And went in the Air Force. Actually went in for combat control. um, Ended up in that pipeline. Kind of got in trouble again for hazing, kind of. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sometimes I have a hard time with stupid. Yeah. And, well, they put me in charge of, like, all these kids because I was prior service. Yeah. And so, (laughs) quick side note. So, I'm in charge of, like, all these kids that are yeah. going through, like, the little, like, selection program before we start going through, like, schools and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're like, cool, like, Loomis, you're in charge, blah, 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 this and that. Like, hey, pass this stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. Everyone's in my, uh, everyone's in, like, my room mm-hmm. after, like, the end of the day. I'm like, hey, listen, here's what we need to do. And there's this one kid, like... Little scrawny kid, like mm-hmm. thought he was pretty cool. <laughs> and I'm like, blah blah blah, this and that. I'm like, Hey, did you hear that? And I forget it's like, Hey, are you getting this something? And it's just kinda like, like eye roll. Oh no. So I like I reach across the bed, grab this kid by the lapels and like drag him up and like the whole room gets like crazy quiet mm-hmm. and like yeah, I wasn't wasn't doing that. Yeah. And then later they're like, You can't can't do that, man. <laughs> And what, like, are you, what are you talking about? This is standard operating I'm like, procedure in, in the Marine uh, Corps. Like this is, how else would you do this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like the next day, like one of the instructor, cool guy, he actually, uh, he actually came over from the Marine Corps mm-hmm. himself. Like back, and he's like, I get it, but we can't do that. I'm like, okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Like, show me the stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, whatever but ended up in that pipeline and about six months in, I ended up basically getting injured medically DQ'd. I had a herniated disc, ended up getting surgery for that. Like a while later, how'd that happen? (sighs) Abuse. Like how didn't it happen? Yes. Like all kinds of Mm just like, there's a lot of things you just shouldn't do that we do. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, here's a good idea. Like, let's just put our fins on and do flutter kicks on the edge of the pool and not get in the pool for an hour and yeah. you're like okay and yeah who knows how it happened but ended up happening just abuse basically um got surgery micro uh microdiscectomy and then they basically reclassed me I ended up going into like radio maintenance or something like that mm-hmm. i don't know I didn't really do any of that. I was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I just would hang out. But no, I ended up doing that stuff, met a bunch of really cool people. A mm-hmm. um, couple different places ended up going over to Germany for a while. Never ended up back over in the middle East for anything with those guys. Uh, I think my last year was in like Osan Cree or something like that. And kind of in that time, one of my good buddies from the Marine Corps, he had, kind of gone through the whole like triple canopy blackwater thing and ended up essentially like hand carrying my resume more than that's more how than it got anything. done back in the day it yeah. was all
0: a, it was all a who you knew and like by name system back back in the day if yeah. you got invited and when i went through like Blackwater had a selection. Like, I had to go to a two-week selection. And, like, they were evaluating. Like, the TDEC instructors were, like, evaluating us on, like, you know, for just, like, a basic selection to get into. Like, you had a – we had a PFT. And it wasn't hard. Um, yeah. But we had a PFT. And then we had, like, a – The,
1: like, run, dummy drag, run, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, we did that. that. We had yeah. a PFT.
0: So, we did push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups, I think. Then we had the dummy drag. And there was, like, reps and time standards for all of that. And then we had – um we Pistol had a, rifle qual. Yeah, pistol rifle qual. And you had to shoot accuracy and time standards and if you yeah. f- and that's what they were really dropping people for and they were really stringent oh, yeah. on and if you fucked up any of that you were gone um it was go no go yeah and then we had um and then we had a driving test and then we had a cqb test and then after that after you made it through those four wickets then it was just like um then it was f- then it was just um familiarization or sustainment training and we went into like med trauma management stuff and then I think that was the last thing, and then we got, and then they like were like, "Okay, cool, you passed. You're in the you in the good old boy club now." And then they sent us over to medical, and we got all of our like pre deployment shots, uh-huh. and then they sent us all home. And they're like, "Cool, program managers will call you with deployment dates." So then, I don't know, like two three weeks later, they called me and sent me to Afghanistan. But like that was the process back in the yeah. day. Yeah,
1: and then CQD back then too. Yep. Oh god. Well, <laughs> the I will say. The hooded box drills were amazing and watching the video afterwards, afterwards of people getting crushed. Yes. It was so
0: great. Yeah. I mean, the box drill was the only uh, good part of
1: that training. That was yeah, like the rest a lot of, of value it. in that box drill. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I ended up getting essentially my resume ended up on someone's desk. Yeah. And I went back there, actually did some training with my buddy back there. But then I'm like, well, I'm out. I guess I still don't want to work. So I'm going to go back mm-hmm. to junior college and collect my GI bill. So went back to junior college and ended up actually meeting my wife that eventually was ex wife there, yeah, but I decided I was gonna go into law enforcement, and so yeah, ended up actually going through the academy, getting picked up or getting picked up, and then going through their academy, yeah. all that stuff, and then it finally got to the point where I had gotten married kind of in that window like a year and a half or whatever. And then my uh, first son was about to be born. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, we've never laid anyone off, but you are going to get a pink slip because the city can't manage its money. So be aware, we're not probably, we've never laid anyone off. We probably won't lay you off, but you are going to get a pink slip. And like right about that time, my TSSCI clearance came through. Oh, nice. And so I was like, can you guarantee me a job? And they're like, no. And I'm like, I'm out. And so, yeah, started contracting. And ended up working basically three different contracts, like kind of from mid-2010, I guess, to beginning of 2016. Cool. And, yeah, worked all over, all over mainly Afghanistan, mm-hmm. mainly.
0: Was it just majority, close per- Close protection, site protection?
1: Uh, a lot of it was, like, static site yeah. stuff. And then um, ended up doing doing a bunch of training stuff, like, towards the end. Cool. And That was what I
0: always loved, was the training stuff. It was
1: definitely... Yeah. Yeah. Schedules were way better. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, it's Thursday? Like, we just don't work, I guess, mm-hmm. now? Like, yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Man, and I love uh, Thursday. We're yeah, all... It's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was doing that. And then a number of factors basically came in to it. Like one, I was just like, you show up and you're like, what are we doing here again? Like, remind me. Mm-hmm. And eventually you're just like, I'm kind of over this. And that coupled with just being gone, but it's a trap. Like the money's so good. The money is and great. And it's yeah. so easy. Mm-hmm. Like wake up, like daily rate, boom. And mm-hmm. you're like, I guess I could keep doing this. But ultimately, that contributed in part to getting divorced. Yeah. And so going through that whole process, like not fun. Mm -hmm. And so going through that whole divorce and everything like that, what it came down to was a, uh, like a child custody thing. Yes. And I was like, look, like I, I'll go to work like roughly 60 on 60 off. Like I'll go to work for two months. I'll come back. Like I just, I want 50 50 custody so, like, I can have my boys when I come back. Like, at that point, I had my two boys. I'm like, look, I want, I want to be able to have my boys. Like, not that I need them for two months in or uninterrupted, like, right. yeah, weekends, whatever. Like, but I want to be able to have them. And it was like, no, like, wouldn't agree to that. And so we're at this like court appointed mediation. And I'm like, okay. And so finally, it's like, okay, well, essentially the the middle ground turned into like, will agree to 50/50 physical legal custody when you're in the county as how it's written mm-hmm. and so I'm like that's fine like let's just get this signed like let's move on it was not a fun divorce how so, many years did it take uh like till I find till it's finally done mm-hmm. done I want to like at least a year and a half or something Minus two like, years there. yeah it's time.
0: I went through the exact same thing that you went through oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: so it's like okay like I'll agree to that physical legal custody when I'm in the county, which turns into 25-75, like, being deployed half the year. So as soon as those papers came back from the court, like, everything, like, set in stone, I was like, by the way, I'm never going overseas again, so we have 50-50 physical legal custody. Mm. Like, completely walked away, zero plan, like... And so with that believe me the story is actually going somewhere (laughs) (laughs) but like so yeah so with that like yeah like started like working part-time like landscaping like i'm out there like doing landscaping like with my arcteryx kneecaps Mm -hmm. like doing landscaping jobs like uh working part-time like stocking shelves and stuff like that and because i needed to just like survive at that point um start driving for like uber and lyft too like all kinds of stuff but I also started Kit Badger then because I was just like, well, like, if I'm going to be poor, like, I'm going to be poor doing stuff I enjoy. Yeah, fun, so be poor doing
0: fun shit. Let's yeah. do this.
1: So what was the, so what year was that? That was beginning of 2016, like, yeah. when all that kind of, yeah, okay. happened. And, yeah, since then, I just kept going. Like, first, I had, like, maybe 10 subscribers, and I'm like, Yes. And eventually I had like a hundred. I'm like, I don't even know a hundred people. It's not all family. And then just continue to grow and just continue to grind it out. Like about three videos a week and eventually got to the point where I didn't have to do like other things just to like pay rent. But I mean, that said it wasn't until like roughly the beginning of this year where I'm like, "Eh, I probably have my rent paid this year or this month rather. Mm. Like, slow road man like yeah everybody's an overnight success in 10 years you know and well, honestly that's exactly it though and like that's what i set out to do is be an overnight success in 10 years Mm -hmm. because if you if you think about it on any other timeline like you'll just be frustrated and you're not gonna keep doing it because you won't do that like yeah it's like oh man like this person came out of nowhere, overnight success. It's like, a little deeper. Like, they probably worked their face off for like a decade. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've been in the industry works. for
0: 18 years and I just started my YouTube channel this last spring, okay. spring of 22. So, yeah, because I'm like, um, you know, the whole like being in the community thing and like the, at least in my era, the rules and reg, regs with like OPSEC and like PERSEC yeah. and like, you know, being the gray man, not, Social media was not allowed when I was working. No, not at all. And so, and if you did have social media, you definitely couldn't post anything relative to work at all. Yeah. And you had to be
1: super sterile.
0: Yeah. You had to be super sterile. And you had to, and like, in my, in my program, they were like, use an alias. So, like, I started my Facebook page in like oh eight, oh nine. 09. But I'm like, and it's funny enough, I'm still on Facebook as John Smith. So, that's, like, I just kept it because that's what I started with. Cause I'm like, what's the most like, vanilla vanilla <laughs> name that like if you tried to search it there's going to be five billion john smiths yeah. and then for the longest time i didn't put any pictures of myself up i just had like a caricature of um the outlaw josie wales you know it was uh-huh. like a, it was like an illustration of like the gunfighter yeah. josie wales and so i had that on my page i and i'm still john smith on facebook i don't get ever get on facebook anymore because it's a sewage pond but yeah yeah but that's we weren't allowed to have any type of social media and so for the longest time, like I didn't want to be on camera. Like I just started doing filming like this year, you know, because I'm like I hate being on camera. That's why I loved podcasting. Podcasting yeah. was like, a, you know, I don't have to worry about being on camera. I could I get to have fun, great conversations with cool people, and then we just edit the audio and put it up. Yeah, you know, anonymous
1: up. on a certain yeah. level. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so. Mm. But then, with like the proliferation of like you know what Joe Rogan started doing with like his YouTube and like uh-huh. videoing his guest interviews, people like people like that part of it. Yeah. yeah, and so I just started getting heavy demanded for video, and I'm like, I don't fucking do video, but like everybody wants it, and then that's the direction that everybody's going. And so then I like see what you know my peers in the industry, you are doing, Grand Thumb's doing. Um, You know, nine hole reviews. Uh, Who, who else? Uh, There's, there's a bunch. I could go on and on. There's some really, really great channels out there. Oh, uh, I I love um, Mike Mike Pfeiffer stuff, Talon Say stuff. Like, uh, they, there's dudes out there that are doing really, really amazing stuff, and I'm like watching them. And I know for a fact, like, you know, if you are diligent and consistent with it, and you, you know, you, you can use that to leverage sponsorships. You can use it to grow your Patreon, and then it becomes. It becomes fairly, you know, you can you can make some decent decent money. You're probably not getting rich off of it, but you you can make some yeah. you can make some decent coins. But it takes a long as you just alluded to. Yeah. It takes a really long time to get the boat on plane. So I'm like, okay, well, fuck. If I if I've got people already demanding this stuff from me, and I've got all of this industry experience and all of this design experience and all of this combat experience, and people love the podcast then let's just get after it and hopefully four or five years from now i will overnight success i'll be yeah, yeah 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 overnight success in 23 years i will be able to you know have some you know be able to at least go to hawaii and you know get some sun and no for yeah, sure so that's what i'm after and and realistically like i've grown to, to where i've start i've started to like it where i was like i hate being on camera
1: now i'm like there's, there's a like, learning curve too like just being comfortable with it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's awkward at first.
0: Yeah. It's super awkward. Like it was, it's funny as hell. Like my first videos. So what we, the other thing too, is like, I didn't want to take it very seriously. Like in terms of like, you know, some channels are like, they're very strong. And it's one of the things that I like about your, your, your channel too, is you like, you do a good job injecting humor, you know, and just being like very authentic and like, Hey, this is what I thought. And this is what happened and this, you know? And like, I love that. I love the authenticity. So, I try and add, I try and have that. And funny enough, like we've been leading with um, outtakes for like the beginning of every video. Okay. Because I've I fuck Just up so much. Stuff. It, yeah. yeah, it takes me like three or four takes sometimes before I can like nail it. Oh, and absolutely. And I fuck up a lot. And so like I've got my guy Cato, who's my producer. He he does such a fantastic job. But he films everything for me and then edits everything for me. And he. He, uh, him and I have some fucking hilarious conversations and laughs about some of the stuff that I've fucked up on on video so far. So no,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, yeah no, it's, yeah, there's all in like to the end of like authenticity and stuff like that. I remember, and I don't remember exactly where I had heard it, but when I decided to basically make my channel and stuff like mm-hmm. that, like it was a conscious effort to just be me, right. Like, you can see people that make content and then like, there's a persona that goes with it. Right. And it's like, that's unsustainable. Mm -hmm. Like for me anyway, like that just seems like a lot of work to try and maintain like this persona and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And so, yeah. And I mean, I'll get people all the time, like talk faster, drink cup of coffee, like whatever, just because of the cadence of speech and things along those lines. I'm like, I got one speed, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So what are, so, so what was the, what was the thing that made you decide to start? So you like started, what was Kit Badger when you ideated it and you started, what was it in your
1: mind? Well, actually a buddy of mine who, mutual friend of Griffin, Mm -hmm. actually, I was on this like hundred day deployment. It was like a long deployment with my buddy Russ and we were in, we basically we were on the same shift, like rotating together and we were roommates for like a hundred days straight. Okay. He's probably the only person in the world I could have like done that with. Right. Like and we called it Cafe one oh seven cause our room was one oh seven and mm-hmm. so in the morning we'd get up, make coffee, after shift, like we'd go to Chow Hall and get a bunch of frozen stuff and make like smoothies and stuff, like but it turned into whenever we were off shift, it just turned into this. He had a little business he was working on. I had something I was working on, and it was just this cool little like little think tank where we just kick ideas back and forth like yeah. for that whole trip. And one of the things to come out of it was Kit Badger, and we were like, "Hey, like, what would be a cool like? What if we did like a cool like video review channel, like high quality yeah like video and stuff like well done." And yeah, just like beat stuff up and like do reviews and stuff. And so it's like, oh, that'd be pretty cool. And then we kicked around like ideas. And so it's like, okay, we'll badger like Tenacious Animal and Gear Kit. And it's like, oh, like see if it's there. And so it's like, oh, cool. Like got the URL. And so fast forward like three years or whatever it was. I was like, hey, man, do you by chance still have that like URL, uh, Kit Badger? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, yeah, I got it. I'm like, can I get that? Like I was thinking about doing this. He's like, oh, yeah, sure and so gave me the url and like nice that was kind of the genesis of it though like kind of years in the making like just an idea and then i was like well i'm kind of freed up nice <laughs> so let's do it. awesome yeah
0: awesome so that so then that's how it developed and it, so it always started as a you were going to do video reviews yeah okay so then um so what do you remember like what are the some first of the, videos yes yeah oh, first absolutely. videos. yeah so what were the some of the, the main
1: takeaways like the first the first video it's still up it is mm-hmm. terrible. Like, oh, it's terrible oh is it still on the page oh yeah okay i'm terrible. gonna scroll down and check it out yeah no um the first video and i don't know if it's in order of the very first video published but it was the very first video i filmed okay and it was uh yeah it was so bad so i was initially for all my videos i had a gopro hero 4 black okay and i knew that audio is important so i want to make sure my audio is good and it's not very good then it was better than it would have been Mm -hmm. but i basically had like a 20 foot lapel mic that was like plugged into this gopro hero 4 okay and so but yeah the first video was I and I actually still have this stuff cuz I still carry it. Mm-hmm. Uh Fisher Space Pen, telescoping Fisher Space Pen okay. and field Notes book. Like their expedition which is like waterproof paper. Yeah. That was the very first video I did and it's still up. Right. It's it's a horrible video. Eventually I'm going to just redo that video cuz it uh it deserves it. I want to check it out. That's be uh, really awesome. Yeah, like I was filming on that and then I can't tell how, how many times I got up to do something. And, like, pulled the whole tripod and camera Mm -hmm. over because I'm, like, tethered to it. (laughs) And then eventually I upgraded that to, like, a better camera, like, the cheapest 4K camera I could get in an audio recorder. And then eventually, a while ago, I upgraded that to the camera I have now, like, a Sony A7S II, which is pretty good.
0: Yeah, they're awesome cameras. That's what I'm going to get an S3
1: as soon as we... Yeah, get the S3. They didn't have it when When I needed to buy mine. And, yeah.
0: Yeah, I want to get mine to like film low light stuff because they do amazing. Like they're like their ISO is like four hundred thousand.
1: Extended. Yeah, like you can film in like candlelight. Yep. And then also the I send it in. I send in the body, and they remove the IR filter. Oh, cool. So I have like a hot mirror filter, or whatever it is, so I can film regular stuff. But then I'll take that off at night, and I'll go film like shooting under nods Mm -hmm. and it'll pick up all the IR light and stuff like that, which is pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, no, that is sweet for sure. So then, yeah. So then the, the nuance of the learning, that's what, that's what I'm going through right now. Now, luckily my really good buddy and who's my producer Kato, he, he got a, he's a, he's got a degree in photography from, um, What's that? he went to the he went to like the juilliard of photography and part i think it's called parsons or something it's in Dang. He, right. he went to a really high-end art school in uh, art and photography school in, in new york and he's 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 really really good he's great at pho- product photography and stuff good at video and um didn't we started i i started podcasting with him and i was like hey man like you're just gonna have to learn how to edit audio and he's like okay and he just like he's one of those dudes where he's like okay and then he gets on and does some research and then like nerds out on the internet and goes to YouTube and university. And then within, I don't know, two or three days, he's like doing really awesome. Yeah. He's like, I got it. We're good. And so I, I'm really blessed and fortunate to have him on my team, but he, yeah, he's great. And so it's been, the
1: learning curve has been a lot less having him. It's or steep, I should say, but like being able to have someone else to help with that. Yeah. I imagine is like invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. As a one man show, it's a monster sometimes. Oh, for sure. So like,
0: yeah. So like he's not here at the show. He's supposed to come to the show. And what happened was, um, his family came into town and he, it was, he hadn't seen his sister. Um, he hadn't seen his sister for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half longer. It was her birthday. And then she also had a baby, her first baby, which is his niece. Yeah. His first niece. So he's an uncle. So he hadn't seen his niece, hadn't met his niece yet. It was, hadn't seen his sister for a year and a half. And then it was her birthday on top of it, like, you know, on the 16th. So.
1: Shot show can wait.
0: Yeah. So he was, he called me up and he he was all stressed out about it too, because he knows that like, this was like a big opportunity for content collection. And so he's like, Hey man. And, and I I knew what he was going to ask me immediately. So I was just like, yes, you can have, you can have, yes, you don't have to go to shot show. You can have it off. And so, but then what? what happened was he has all of our audio equipment, not the podcasting gear. I keep that, but the,
1: he had all of like, for like, or for filming and everything, all of our cameras and mics set
0: up and all of that. And our other lights set up like he had, he has all the gear. And so like I'm in Salt Lake, he's up in Jackson hole. So I'm like, okay, well, and this huge blizzard was coming in. So I was just like, I'm just going to stop at the camera store and I'm just going to do the best I can with the equipment that I have. So like, I got the iPad, got my phone, and I'm like using room lights to with light, light stuff. So it's cool. The one thing that I do realize, and that I've kind of said, and I've even said it on the channel, is that I'm not going to beat myself up for learning how to do something. You know,
1: like no, and like the biggest thing, well, one, which you're doing a good job of, is people watch a crappy video mm-hmm. with good audio; they will not watch. A really good video (laughs) with really crappy audio yeah like audio is way more important but it's really easy to get in your own way Mm -hmm. of producing content because you're like i can do that better and it's like "Mm, yeah you can maybe but what's more important is that you're putting something out yeah the and then in the more you do it like the better you get Mm -hmm. at it and like eventually every once in a while i'm just like this is my magnum opus Mm -hmm. and then like a month later, I'm like, "This is my magnum opus." Yes, because <laughs> yeah. like you just get better <laughs> yeah. at it, and yeah. you end up doing a better and better job of it. But so the important part though is not getting in your way of like, because it's easy to just be like, "Oh, like I don't like that. Like I need to, I need to redo that or something." And it's like, no, you just need to do it. Right,
0: you put it out. Just do it, get yep. it out, and then learn. Take the learning points from it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So that it's funny that you talk about the audio stuff because I was completely oblivious to the audio quality on things. And I was like, we're going to start the podcast. We're going to do this. And like, um, you know, he was talking to me about Cato was talking to me about editing stuff and I didn't, wasn't paying attention to him. And then his brother-in-law showed up and his brother-in-law's like uh, really good at this stuff too. And so they started talking back and forth and then they were like, Hey, check this out. Listen to this. And they played something for me that like we had recorded and it was like, it sounded like I was in a tin can. You know, it was like all muffled and like sound like shit, you know, like that. And then they were like, and now listen to this. And it sounded like this where it's like nice and crystal clear and there's Ooh. no background interference. And there's no like, you can't hear any like white noise or any crazy yeah. things. And it's like super clear. And they were like, see the difference? And I was like,
1: oh, fuck, yeah.
0: And they're like, this is good audio. This is not good audio. So then once that was burned into my brain... I was on YouTube and I was like watching videos and then and and po- and then I was listening to podcasts and I'm like, oh, their audio's trash. Mm-hmm. Or like when you can hear levels change or when you can, you know, once you once you become more of an audiophile and you start to listen and you can differentiate very finite details, it gets it gets to where you become like at least for me now I'm pretty obsessive about like making sure the audio is oh, good. Oh,
1: for me, mm-hmm. wind, like yeah wind infuriates me mm-hmm. like I can't stand wind noise yeah and so there's times I'm just like I'm not filming like mm-hmm. not doing it yeah. <laughs> like because I just know it's gonna piss me off because yeah. like it'll be all washed out with wind and I'm like I won't post yeah, that you'll be in post and it'll be like, whoo, whoo, whoo. Yeah, like no <laughs> can't do it uh-uh. yeah
0: so then what was um what, what
1: were some of your other good learning points along the way as you've like, progressed uh, I mean yeah like keep going with it is the big one but um well i've definitely learned some lessons with respect to redundancy also Mm -hmm. and like i'll run separate audio Mm -hmm. for like it'll be like wav files and stuff and i'll run a little lapel mic and that could be better but like it's what i have and it's pretty good and so i'm pleased with it like but then i'll also have like a shotgun mic on my camera because there's Mm -hmm. definitely been times where come to find out for whatever reason like there's no audio like it cut out or something happened and so just there's tons of little like learning things along the way like that or just like hey like just take a second and make sure that that recorded like if you need to like shut everything down and go like look at and be like okay did I actually get that okay cool like I did get it and then backing up everything Mm -hmm. and like I'm pretty sure I already pulled all these uh pretty sure I already pulled all this video off this car like we can erase this like yeah. nope. Nope. Shouldn't have erased that. Mhm. And stuff like that that hopefully you only do once. And yeah, the, a lot of a lot of stuff like that where and then eventually you just end up with like SOPs for like how you are going to do things. And like for me, I don't know how you run your video and audio like I'll set up my camera and I'll go frame it and I'll look at my phone cuz I'll basically link it to the phone. Yeah. Start stop recording there and I got to the point what I would do is I would go back and forth starting and stopping video and audio. Right. And so then I have these different files mm-hmm. and that led to disasters where I did not apparently start my audio and so i didn't have it so then i had to use like crappy audio off the shotgun mic or something which there's this difference (laughs) there and stuff like that so like now i've gotten to the point like my sop is before i start filming I turn on my audio make sure my levels are good start recording audio lock it so you can't hit a button put that in a pocket and now i'm gonna have like whatever 30 45 minute audio file while I'm that's going to be just recording everything yep. and then I'll go work through and figure out what I need to all the different cuts and stuff because I'll move right. the camera around in different angles just because I think it's boring if it's just one angle yes and so I'll move it around and then with that though I also learned pretty early on to break it into bite-sized pieces because I'll go to explain something in like two minutes into a monologue and then like screw it up and just have to start all over again. Yes. Cause I hate like a cut that mm-hmm. like shouldn't be there and just like aesthetic yeah, or otherwise jump cuts, it's like, you yeah, know, like get rid of that crap. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, like bite-sized pieces. So I, and a lot of it's become formulaic to like just over it to, to like to the end of like reviews. It's right. like, hey, this is IvanKipadger.com here to talk about this. And then the next part is, hey, here is a reason why I was looking for something to do this. Like, here's a problem that I'm trying to find a solution to. Like, here's this piece, which Mm -hmm. potentially provides a solution for that problem. Here is the way I actually used it with creating context for how I've used it. And then here's shortcomings or where it's done really good and how I've used it, and then call to action at the end, like hey, if this is something that like would work for you, like here's where you can go to find it. And so a lot of that's become formulaic, but um, yeah, no, there's. And do you still no love answer. it? So
0: you've been doing it for how long? For like seven years now, eight years? What are you going into? Coming
1: into coming up on seven years, I think yeah. now. And what how, what's yeah. your
0: audience size again? Your subscribers? Uh,
1: I think about. Like one hundred and ten thousand or something nice. on YouTube. Okay, and then yeah.
0: and do you still love it
1: as much as you did when you uh, started? I do. Like I, I enjoy it. Like there's, I wish, like there's, I wish I was at the point where I could actually have like a cameraman, editor, because yeah. that would make life so much easier. Right. Like so much easier. Yeah. But then it's also like, hey, are you willing to like? put on skis and ski out like six miles when it's negative eight. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of, that's tall order also. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and yeah. do you know how to use camera? Yeah. Like, and can you carry heavy loads mm-hmm. for indeterminate amounts of time? Right. So it's me and mm-hmm. just me. And so the, like I do, like I really enjoy it. Otherwise I wouldn't still be doing it. Right. And, I enjoy honestly all aspects of it, but like that for me often is a bottleneck. Like one filming is slow when it's just you like moving the camera and manipulating a tripod and then getting in framing yourself and all that stuff. Like that's slow going. And it's just hard to capture some things too. Like largely everything ends up being static or I'll be like, Hey man, do you mind uh, running behind me on this drill? Like, in like a class and like Mm -hmm. hand the camera off to someone half the time it's out of focus. And I'm like, (laughs) it's better than me having nothing. So like, I appreciate it. Like, thanks man. Mm -hmm. Um, stuff like that or just editing. But at the same time, like I, I like and appreciate, like there's definitely an artistic side that I like and enjoy. And so the editing kind of feeds that some. Cause like I used to always draw and I still do like mm-hmm. different kind of stuff with my boys. Like we'll paint, like we'll paint yeah. a bunch of miniatures and stuff, like just random stuff just cause it's fun sketch stuff, whatever. Yeah. And so the editing kind of does some of that, but it's, it's still work. And I guess that's the other part of it too is it's work, not in a bad way, but like it's yeah. work and you need to respect it and treat it like work. Otherwise it'll just forever be a hobby and it'll probably just die and you won't really do much with it. Yeah. Cause no, like, and I will create these artificial, like largely artificial timelines of like, Hey, you need to go do this. But if I don't like no one's signing a paycheck for me at the right. end of the month. So like you hustle or you don't make any money. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, so then, so what What other opportunities has this grown for you then by uh, having this man, channel? Like, are you doing any type of development work? Or are you doing any consulting? Or are you doing anything like that?
1: Yeah. Um, yes, I guess. Like, tons of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really grateful because one, and I guess going back to the authenticity thing, mm-hmm. is me being me and just having, like, one speed. Like, I right. am... Like, kind of a known quantity on a certain level. So, when I go to, like, deal with companies and stuff, like, they know what they're going to get. like Mm -hmm. So, it's like, all right, cool. Like, either want to work with me or not. Like, I don't care. Yeah. And, uh, but I've had some, like, I've been really grateful for some, like, just really cool opportunities Mm -hmm. to come my way. And some of the stuff, too, like, especially grateful for just... Like dovetailing, like with my boys, like being able to take my boys places and go do like cool stuff with them. And I really enjoy like having them like in my content too and getting to do stuff with them. And even just like one-off stories that I will like share in videos just because I think there's value there. Because I mean, the human experience is like pretty relatable yeah, and as special as you want to think you are. You're pretty much like everyone else. Yeah. Everyone's going through the same stuff. Correct. And so there's certain things, though, where it's like, oh, man, like, there's probably, there's, well, I'll know coming away from an experience, like, battling it out with, Mm -hmm. like, my son, for example, like, battle of wills or something. I'm like, yeah, there's probably a pretty good takeaway. Like, there's a good learning point for me in this. Mm -hmm. It probably applies to other people, too. So, like, I have a story about, like, my favorite fork, which is exactly that, like, basically the story of my son and I, like, battle of wills, like, he ended up bending this, it's a long story, but not super long, but anyway, a relatable moment, and stuff like that, yeah, like, it resonates with people, so Mm -hmm. I enjoy being able to share stuff like that, and I'm like, am I even answering your question anymore? No, you are, yeah, no, this uh, is great, yeah. But no, like, I... Yeah, like lots of opportunities and opportunities to travel and just like meet cool people. And I I think I'm also fortunate in that, like I don't, I'm grateful for my audience too. Right. And I think part of that has to do with me, probably my cadence of speech, the way I present things and everything. like Like I don't, the people that follow my content aren't generally like, Fourteen-year-olds playing Call of Duty or anything like that. Like it's no. not. That's they're, not.
0: They're probably like closer to our age, and it are is like in a lot of
1: young that. fathers and yeah. stuff like that, and which is cool because pretty much every opportunity I've had yeah. to actually interact with people, it's been really great. Like I've just genuine people because I think probably like if you have a really short attention span, like mm-hmm. I videos probably don't resonate with you so largely it just ends up being like really cool people and so with that like yeah i've met a lot of really cool people and in the industry and out and no like tons and tons of opportunities just work with good people which has been it's been really fun like i'm very fortunate
0: yeah, and you've done you uh, one of the cool projects you did is you like didn't you load your sons up you, you load your sons up in a van and you like you did a cross country thing. We actually did
1: that twice and again, yeah, like big picture it was coast to coast tour. Yeah. And the first one was 2020 like when covid like kicked off mm-hmm. and it's like, no, nope, I'm doing it. And there's definitely certain things in my life where I'm like I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And then I'll decide I'm going to do it. And it's like force of will. Like I'm going to do this. And it's happening. Yeah. And so I end up with this huge like tour bus, Mm basically like Greyhound bus and pull all the seats out. Most of them out. All these guns got pretty much the entire like catalog from like Q Mm -hmm. and some stuff from like Noveski and basically a bunch of really cool like high end guns that people otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to shoot and pretty much cans on everything. And ended up driving across the entire country with hosting these range days where people could come out and shoot kind of all these grail guns. Yeah. And it was a blast. Like, it was so cool. And we ended up going across. And then at the very end of it, auctioning off guns for SOCAF, Special Operation Care Fund, which super cool. Like, an amazing, amazing organization. Like, pretty much 100% pass through doing incredible stuff for largely people that in special operations community, as well as on the contracting side, which usually those people are like from that same community yeah. and getting them um, treatment that isn't covered by other like charities and stuff like that. Yeah. I've known Dave so Kramer for a long He's time. such a cool guy, yeah, man. Great, such yeah. a cool guy. So yeah, auction off guns. And then I'm like, well, like I already have this bus, like let's do this again. And so then did it the next year. And the first year, it was actually pretty fun. My and got to meet amazing people like mm-hmm. on that, like every stop, just super cool people. And I got to do it with my boys. And then on the first trip, my mom flew out for like the last two stops, I think, mm-hmm. which is funny because she hates guns. But it was like an opportunity for her to see what I was doing and be like, oh, like that's pretty cool. Yeah, like, good. I appreciate that sign and then the next summer ended up doing it again coast to coast and that time my dad pretty much came along for the whole thing which oh he was with you the was whole time really fun yeah. yeah that's awesome. which was really cool and yeah like that was an amazing experience like the people i'm staying with here are two people like from the coast to coast tour that oh, nice. ended up just getting to be like fast friends with and, yeah, it was so incredible. But I will say, probably won't do another one, not mm-hmm. because I don't want to, because I'm basically a terrible business person. <laughs> and, and, like, it is so much work Yeah, to where at the end of it, it's basically a wash, like, financially when everyone's been paid, like, whether my buddy who's taking photos or mm-hmm. the guys coming along to do video. Cause I can't, like I can't do everything. Right. And like both those trips, I basically drove the bus the entire time, which is like its own job. Like so taxing. Right. And then, yeah. And, and it was amazing. Like at the end raised, I think like between the two, between the two years, I think raised about fifty thousand, forty five fifty thousand $50,000 for nice. SOCF, which was amazing. That yeah, was great. But, I'm just like, man, like I can't do that. Like it's, it's a big undertaking. And I am so grateful that I did do it though, because my boys and I talk, they still are like, remember that time in Texas? I'm like, I remember like we're (laughs) sleeping on the bus, just getting destroyed by mosquitoes and stuff, like all kinds of stuff. But it was, it was one of the coolest things ever to be able to do.
0: Nice. Yeah. And all of that came from, Hey, I'm going to start a YouTube channel
1: yeah no like and i mean just wild just wild chain of events that mm-hmm. i mean that that in part came from an earlier thing where actually at shot show i think it was like 2017 maybe i was here and i ran into kyle lamb
0: great dude yeah, dude I've known kyle such for a, a great time. guy he's, he's so amazing. funny too yeah, he's like hilarious. he's ridiculously yeah.
1: funny And so I ran into him, and I was like, hey, listen, like, this is me. This is what I do. Like, I was wondering, do you have any open enrollment classes? Like, I would love to come out and, um, like, film. Like, I don't want to show any secret sauce. Like, I just want to attend a class and kind of give people an idea, like, what they're going to come away with. And then also, like, hey, uh, maybe where they should be coming there so they have a good idea. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, for sure. And keep in mind, like, I'm no one. And he's like... Yeah, I have these open enrollment classes at the SIG Academy, like, if you want to do that. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so, like, I'm like, awesome. So I end up signing up for his class, and I was doing some, I was working, like, 1099, doing Mm -hmm. some video editing for this guy with this hunting channel. Yeah. And, like, leading up to that class, he's like, hey, man, I lost this ranch property in Oregon, like, I got to let you go. Like, I can't pay you anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh man, like I'm back to being like really poor again. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, I already committed. Like I already paid for the class. So a friend of mine is like a flight attendant for (laughs) American Airlines. So I'm on like a buddy pass to fly over there. Oh nice. Like on the cheap. So like I fly over there And then it's this huge fiasco. I know I don't have enough money to get a hotel room. So I'm renting a van, like a minivan. Okay. And like undoing, pulling out. So I bring with me like a sleeping pad and sleeping bag. Like move the back seat out of the way so I can stretch that out. And then I go find like some 24-hour gym. I'm like, do you have like a week-long like trial membership? They're like, oh, yeah. So, I get a key card so I can like go shower and stuff like in this (laughs) gym so that I can go attend this class. And then when I was going out there, I was like, what the hell else is in New Hampshire? So, I'm searching. Somehow I run into Q Mm -hmm. and like in the DMs, I'm like, hey guys, like this is me, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was wondering if I could just come out. Like, looks like you guys do some cool stuff. And they're like, yeah, sure. So I'm out there and I'm like trying to reach out to them and no response. I'm like, well, they gave me their address. Like, I guess I'll just go show up. So I go over there and these guys are walking out. I'm like, hey, um, is that where? They're like, yeah, who are you? I'm like, I'm Ivan, like Kit I'd talk. To, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to lunch. Like, come with us. And so it was Kevin and Ethan. Yeah. And so then I end up like filming, like while I was there, like end up filming like a deep dive into the fix and stuff. And ended up getting to be like super good friends. So a bunch of the engineers there and stuff like that. And like that relationship over those years turned into them like willing to sponsor the coast to coast tour and like donating those guns to eventually be auctioned for SOCF and yeah, like that by way of example, like it's those little things that basically over the course of years, yeah, turn into just really cool opportunities.
0: Yeah, I mean, take those risks because, you know, you were faced with that situation where you're like, fuck, I don't have any money. I already signed up for this thing. How am I going to pull this off? Like, so like,
1: send it. And you
0: just and did see it, See what yeah. happens. Do it scared, and you went out there and, and did it, and it led you to some really, really great things. So I always try and encourage people, you know, on my Patreon channel, I, I have a great core group, and it's small. I only have like 13 people on my Patreon page right now, but like That's great. people are, you know, like I have, they're really loyal and they're great human beings, and they like, Talk to me about these things. Sometimes I'm like, well, I'm concerned about this and this and this, and it's amazing to me, like how bad, especially with the whole COVID experience, is like how bad fear fucks up the human decision making process and really massively becomes so. a really bad limiting self factor for, or limiting factor for for yourself. Like it it's, it limits people so much, and it's sometimes sometimes you know can be. Depending on your lens and how you're looking at things, it could be something that looks pretty surmountable. But other times, it's, they're small things. And I'm like, why are you letting that limit you from what you want to do? Like, right. It's fear. Like, the root cause of this is fear, and it's it's irrational fear. So just go do it. Just no, go
1: do it. No, 100%. I, I recently had this pretty wild adventure that I'm actually going to end up making a video about just because there's so many like takeaways from it and stuff like that. But like big picture too, like going back to the fear is just like, go do hard things. Like, go do difficult things, scary things. Yes. Because one, you'll come away. Like you might fail. Like Mm -hmm. that's very real. And then you'll realize as long as, as long as you did your risk assessment, right? Like you're not going to die. Like very few things like that is the outcome. Like, Mm What if they say no? Then they say no. Like, okay. Find somebody <laughs> like, that'll say yes. Yeah, like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, Bang
0: on doors until someone says Oh my yes. gosh.
1: Like when I moved up, when I first moved up to Idaho, uh, I or moved back up to Idaho, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to just start doing a video like side business where I'll just go talk to companies and I'll make like little one minute mm-hmm. videos that highlight what they're doing and they can put it on Instagram, their website, whatever. I'm like, let's do this. So I put on like my one polo shirt and I'm going basically (laughs) door to door, (laughs) going door to door. And I find this company. It's like this Merino wool company or something like Mm -hmm. that, that makes yarn. And they're like, Oh yeah, we would, we would love to do that. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. And so it's like, I think I charged them like 500 bucks or something. And I'm like, dude, this is easy. I just Mm -hmm. needed to do like two or three or I'm sorry, like "Eh, three or four of these a month. Like, Mm -hmm. cool. Like, I can get by just being poor and doing my other stuff. Yeah. I went, I can't tell you how many doors I went do after that. Not a single one. Like, yeah. That was like, nope, nope, got, nope. Got turned down everywhere, which is hilarious, but I didn't die. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, oh, well, like fail, Keep, move yeah. on. Keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you just, it's learning experiences, man. Like once mm-hmm. you real, you're just like, okay, cool. Like, now, if you continue to fail doing the same thing over and over again, you might want to adjust, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> adjust fire from there. But no, like doing hard things, it creates perspective. Like it really does. For sure. To include failures. And you're like, oh. Yeah, people okay. get
0: really wrapped up around the whole failure piece. And that was really ingrained in us in the, in the military. You know, like weakness is not an option. Failure is not an option. quitting's not an option. And it was really hard for me in my transition to start letting go of that and, and realizing that failure is a tool. Oh, to that's like, like how you end up learning. And becoming better, you know? Absolutely. And then, you know, perspective, I completely 110 percent agree with you and I tell people like your perspective is shaped by like getting your ass kicked. Like you really don't learn too much profound things that adjust your lens. In a safe area of life where your life's yeah. good all the time. You live in this little safety bubble where you don't risk and you and you're 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 good. Like your lens and your perspective and your ability to learn and grow is not going to be adjusted unless you get your ass kicked a little bit. So, one hundred
1: percent, man. Yeah.
0: So I encourage people to take risks, say yes, and get out there and 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 chase their dreams, man. I I feel I feel really bad for people that um, you know, and I can I continually try and mentor people to like to take risks because I, I ask people on occasion, like, yeah. Uh, do you know what your passion is? Are you passionate about something? What's your passion? And yeah. they're like, "Oh well, I don't really know." And some people are like, "Well, I like this thing, but," and then they hit me with this like excuse to why that's fear based. Why they are
1: not following? Why they're not That passion? It. Yeah. Have you ran into? Have you run into a lot of resistance when you started? doing your own thing like your podcast and everything like that oh yeah
0: yeah. from other yeah. people or yeah. from yes from other
1: yeah. and that's one of those really it's interesting and it's honestly sad and unfortunate mm-hmm. but yeah like you'll you'll see a lot of people kind of turn on you mm-hmm. and it's like probably largely unconscious but it makes people really uncomfortable when you like step outside the lines and go pursue something that you want to do for the sake of you wanting to go do it. Like, yeah, because it's this really uncomfortable mirror that people start to get faced with. Like, well, I always wanted to, but I am doing what I'm supposed to do. Like Mm -hmm. you really should step in line too. like, it's this discomfort that comes with like being faced with that, which is uncomfortable. Fortunate,
0: yeah, some kind it's some type of like uh subconscious, it's something in the subconscious state where you're right, where that mirror comes and they're like, Well, this guy is he's like he's chasing his dreams and he's going after it. And they he would like care, to but, see you
1: fail because right, it's like
0: they're yeah. afraid to do it themselves, and so yeah. it creates a little bit of jealousy and animosity in them when they're like, But I want to do that, yeah, you know, it's like it's funny because I like I dated this girl one time and. You know, I know lots of people in the overlanding industry. I've been in the firearms industry for 18 years, uh, you know, former military career. Like, I know a ton of people in, in a couple of different, like, uh, adjacent spaces. And there's this one girl that I'm really good friends with, and she's a badass overlander. Shout out to Jillian. And... uh I was dating this girl and she was super jealous of Jillian and she's like, well, I could do this and I could do that and I could do it. And she's like, you know, Jillian has like 50,000 followers on Instagram. This other girl has like 500 and she was just like, I could do that. I could do that. And I'm like, I looked at her and I was like, why aren't you? Yeah. And she was like, well, I just, you know, it's really uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of excuses and it sounds like a lot of personal issues that you need to navigate. But like, you shouldn't be jealous of someone that's doing something because you're your own limiting factor, and you can't be jealous or mad at somebody because they're doing what you could be capable of doing,
1: but you're not executing. Yeah, like nothing's stopping you. Yeah, like, go for it. Yeah, nothing's stopping you. You might find out it's difficult, right? Because it probably is. Mm-hmm. Real quick to the end of Overlanding, yeah. which is fun. I basically call rich people car camping. <laughs> but I uh, hmm. I'll go ahead and share this idea with you and someone can go with it and do their own thing with it because I would love to see it because I think it'll be really funny and I was actually talking with Talon Sai the other day I was like hey man do you want to do a collaboration? I, I was like, I was like I have an idea for a collaboration and if someone wants to do this themselves like have at it man have fun with it but I'm like what if we do a over because his truck is It is not very relatable. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Same with this van. Yeah. Not very relatable. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, what if we do a sweet budget overlanding adventure, like Mm -hmm. series of videos for an adventure we set whatever the budget is like 250 bucks or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we just go get a rental car with full insurance and then go get like a high lift and like tow strap or whatever from like Harbor Freight and whatever other random stuff we need, like within a pretty small budget Mm -hmm. and basically just go wreck this thing and go wild places. And then people don't appreciate how capable vehicles are. Right. Like, Toyota Corolla, like, everywhere in Afghanistan. Yes. Doesn't matter. Right. And the most capable off-road vehicle is a rental car. It's like, <laughs> yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. But I think that would be a really fun series of videos. Yeah,
0: that would be great. I, well, I, what did he say about that? Are you guys going to do it?
1: We might. I think we I mean, should. we got to wait until it gets warm and everything thaws, yeah. but... That would be a blast. I think you guys and definitely should definitely not a truck, like yeah. just some sedan or something like yeah.
0: that. You should use a Toyota Corolla, man. Yeah. You guys should go that'd get be, a Toyota Corolla. That actually be really good. Yeah. 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 Be like a, they did it just fine in Afghanistan. When should the thing out of yeah. like creek beds and stuff oh, yeah. like that? I've saw some Maybe crazy it. stuff in Afghanistan like that too. Uh, yeah, like those little like uh those little minivans, those little Toyota minivans. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the model is called, but you know we call it you know, it was like the... uh
1: is the Scooby Vans. Yeah, the t- little terrorist
0: yeah. van from, like, Back to the Future. Yeah. You know? Like, that. that's what those things were, and they... Oh, for sure. Those things went everywhere.
1: Yeah. yeah. I go everywhere in my minivan. I drive around, like, a $500 minivan with, like, almost 200,000... It's like a town and country with, like, 200,000 miles on it. Yeah. And I have snow tires on it, like, passing cars just plowed off into, like... In the ditch. The median mm-hmm. and everything. You're like, all right, man. I love it. Learn how to drive, bro. <laughs> probably get away from rear-wheel drive vehicle.
0: Yeah, probably shouldn't do that since you live in a snowy place. Yeah, it's bewildering to me that you, humans that, that have lived in a certain, you know, in the mountains, you know, because I grew up in Wyoming, and so, like, I'm very Just much... Part of it. Yeah, it's very much, like, the way it is. And if you don't have a four-wheel drive, people are like, what's wrong with you? Like, why did you think that was a good idea? Like, you right. get... You get judged heavily if you don't have a four-wheel drive vehicle in, in, in the mountains like where I'm from. People yeah. are like, what's wrong with you? You're going to die in the wintertime if you're trying to drive someplace. So, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fuck, man. Well, this has been a great episode, man. Yeah. And I love, Thanks I loved you. Me. I loved you. Yeah. Thanks for, so much for coming. Impromptu, too, because I totally
1: ambushed you. I saw you come by, and I was like,
0: there's Ivan. You know what? I want him on my podcast, and I'm going to grab him.
1: Sure. You're like, when do you want to do it? And in my mind, I'm like, is this is this like a today thing or a yeah. two month thing? Like, yeah. when works in two hours? That's when we're doing <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like,
0: all right, yeah, let's fire it up. Yeah, fast I love it. and loose. Yeah,
1: I love it, man. Well, um,
0: so what advice would you give before we close out? Yeah. What would, advice would you give to like new people that want to get into YouTube? Like, what would what would your key piece of advice be if they want to start a YouTube channel?
1: The most important thing, like hands down, is to start. Mm-hmm. Like and actually something that helped me early on I know I watched it probably at least twice I should probably go watch it again cuz it's a great video but I don't I don't follow any uh, Gary Vaynerchuk stuff anymore mm-hmm. like I remember for a while there I followed him yeah. and at that point in time like it served a purpose for me right I think I think the guy puts out some good stuff but he has a video I'm sure it's still out there and it's called fuck you're gonna yeah and he basically just like just throws it back in your face like nobody gives a shit about what you're gonna do like go execute Mm -hmm. and so the biggest thing straight out the gate is like you just have to start like just start yeah like there's so much fear associated with starting something because it's like Mm -hmm. like what if it sucks i'll tell you right now it's gonna suck like it's straight up gonna suck when you start like it will but it right. doesn't matter. Nobody's paying attention to you. Like, who cares? Like, yeah. my video is still there. You can see it still sucks. And if for nothing else, like, it creates contrast with where I started and where I am. But like, you have to start. Like, there's no expectation for it to be mm-hmm. great out the gate. Like, it will suck. Who cares? But you just have to start. Right. And then, yeah, just start and be consistent. And, whatever consistent looks like for you. But, if you want to if you want to start like YouTube channel and stuff like that, and you're like, "Sweet, I'm going to get people to send me free guns, and blah blah blah, like if you want like the free gun, like I'll tell you the shortcut, like just go get a part-time job at Starbucks and just be good with money and then buy that gun. like right Way shorter path to getting whatever you wanted, like free. Because it's just, it's a huge grind in everything, even if something is, like, free. Like, there's a long tail that comes with that with respect to the work that's expected. It's an exchange of value, like, at the end of the day, with respect to reviews and stuff like that. And so, like, if you're looking to make money, like, this is a terrible, terrible model for making money. Like, if you're passionate about what you are doing and want to do that and are willing to do it for a probably really long time before it does make you probably any money then yeah do it but i mean get into it with the idea of like that 10 year overnight success otherwise you're going to be like really disappointed but you got to start to even go down that road
0: yeah and then just jump on youtube university and i mean that's all
1: the information's out there like with anything you're wondering about yeah yeah
0: yeah i i i got turned onto a resource. There's a guy, I think his channel's called DSLR camera shooter or something like that. Okay. And he's got really great. He does tutorials. Real, yeah. Really great yeah. videos on that. On, um, uh, he's got really great videos on, um, um, camera equipment and, yes. and, um, but, you know, for a, a large variety of budgets, like how to set up a good three-point lighting system with your rim light, okay. your key light, and your fill light, and all of that
1: stuff. And Yeah, I do none yeah. of that. Like, I just film everything outdoors. So, I'm like, yeah. when I get inside, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it, yeah, So lighting is a thing. So, it's like it part, of, definitely part of the audio stuff that we were talking about, I've been nerding out on, like, light stuff. And I've been uh, – so, then I joined a master class, too. What's the master, uh, the master class I – Joined was the uh, Marcus Brownley, who his channel is called like M H. K B D or something like that, okay. and he's a his name's Marcus Brownley, and he has been doing electronics reviews for a really long time. But he started a master class. Mm. He's got like two million followers on his YouTube Damn. channel or subscribers, and he he start he has a master class, and it, he like walks you through like here's a camera, like basic camera setup, camera angles, um, yes. lights, audio, like he. Basically, from, from start to finish on how to, like, film and edit, you know, That's how to light cool. it, how to set up the audio for it, camera equipment, all the things. And it, he, he's, like, and he goes from a phone to, like, a cinematic, like, red Damn, camera. Red camera. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: it's... so I'm t- cool. I, yeah, so
0: I started taking that master class, too, because I'm... After, you know, the learning experience I went through with just the audio stuff and learning how to podcast... And all that's involved in that, I'm like, okay, it got me really fired up about doing, doing the videos, nerding out on the video stuff and like the aspects of it and like the audio and the lighting and the, the way the shot is set up and like all the things. So
1: composition, everything like that. I will say with respect to editing. Yeah. If you're going to get into it, like sample size of one, Mm -hmm. probably get some sort of Mac with an M1 chip, which they're relatively inexpensive now. Yeah. And get Final Cut. Yeah. Is it Final Cut Pro on Mm Max? Yeah. Because you can buy it. Right. The other option is like, I can't stand Premiere Pro because it's a subscription. And unless you're using all those features, or the other one is, um, what's the DaVinci, like Black Magic, I think, which I want to say is actually free, Mm -hmm. but. Figure out one of those, ideally not a subscription, so either something you can purchase or something that's free, and just learn that. Because I've learned way too many editing programs, and I'm so over it. Finally, I just bought Final Cut Pro, and I'm like, this is the last one I'm learning, because it's way easier to yeah. just learn one and be done, yes. rather than jump around. Because even though it's largely the same, like a timeline, all the like all the nuance differences, yeah, it's a monster. It is a monster. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well
0: so then where can people find you at on your social tags?
1: Yeah, so uh easiest way is probably kitbadger.com, which is my actual site. So my YouTube channel is also Kit Badger and then Kit Badger over on Utreon as well as Rumble. Been having some issues with YouTube. May or may not get my channel deleted. And so the big one is my site because I mm-hmm. own it, KitBadger.com. Same with on Instagram. It's also Kit underscore Badger, I believe. Yeah. But at KitBadger.com, all my videos are there and stuff like that. And regardless of what site they're hosted on, like, my site will always point to them. So okay, that's kind of the best spot.
0: And then are you, are you? did you say Instagram? Are you on Instagram?
1: I am on Instagram. Yeah. I rarely post on there. Okay. Like, If you DM me, you'll get an auto-reply. Okay. (laughs) But uh, Yeah. Usually, I'll just post stories and stuff. I'm pretty torn with Instagram, actually. Yeah. And
0: I hate Instagram, too. Yeah. They deleted my page at, like, 10K, and so now I'm just like, I want to, I'm not stoked on them. My
1: thing with Instagram is I, like, if I actually post some, lots of times I'll put stories Mm -hmm. because it's like, hey, like, this is, I don't know. Hopefully, there's some value in there. But with actual posts, I try and go out of my way to actually post something meaningful where hopefully there's some sort of value there because, like, best case scenario, people should just stop doom scrolling. Mm -hmm. But if they are going to be on there and if my content's going to be on there, hopefully there's actually some value to it. So I don't post a ton on there. But when I do, I'm hoping, like, there's actually value to it rather than just here's what I ate. (laughs) even though I might post pictures of me making ice cream or something like that yes do that with my boys nice
0: nice nice man okay well awesome thanks for coming on man Man. and uh I enjoyed this interview a lot and it was a blast yeah I'll look forward to doing more with you in the future man cool cool thanks for coming on